Hey everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Jessica Stevens here, the host of I Just Blank Now What? Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining us for another Now What Wednesday and an amazing story of true resilience, grit, determination, and the like. So today on the show, we have Sylvie Doust, who is going to be sharing the story of her opening up a business and literally losing both of her business partners in the first three months. So imagine partnering with your best friend and your sister and coming together and deciding you're going to do a business and three months in, they pull the shoot and you are left holding the bag. So that is exactly what happened to Sylvie. She's going to be coming on in a minute to share the story of what happened, how it all unfolded, but more importantly, what she did next. Because as you can imagine, being a business owner with a lease and things, you can't just you know, throw in the towel. So without further ado, let's learn a little bit about Sylvie. She is the CEO of Doust Training Systems. She's passionate about working with women over 40 in health, fitness, and nutrition, getting more women on bicycles. She is also the host of her own podcast called Secrets from the Saddle, All Things Cycling. Coach Sylvie is a cycling coach for women, young and old, creator of educational clinics, bike maintenance, bike cleaning, learn to group ride with others, and online cycling through training programs. She has coached over 900 women in cycling, loves how empowered women feel after taking her cycling clinics and training programs. So without further ado, let's get to the now what. Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you weren't expecting, good or bad, and said to yourself or out loud, oh my gosh, I just fill in the blank. Now what? Me too, friend. Me too. I've had quite a few actually. And in the moment, I never knew what I was going to do next. Of course, I had to figure it out. Sometimes the hard way, but I did figure it out. So join me and some amazing guests this season as we all share our own, I just blank, now what stories so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question, now what? Hello, Sylvie. Hey, Jessica. Super excited to be here. I'm so excited for you to be here too. Thank you so much for wanting to be on the show. I'm always so honored when people reach out to me and saying, you know, I heard the show and I have a story I want to come on. So that's what happened with you. You kind of found me in the interwebs and love the concept for the show and wanted to come on and share a story. So love it when the internet brings people together. And you know what? It's so nice to talk about our life outside of like our business stuff, you know, because a lot of these experiences got us to where we are today. <laughs> they, they need to be told, I think. It's, I, I always say it's the story behind the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because oh, yeah. all of us have so many stories and they're behind other things that led to other things. And so as just as you said, yeah, all these experiences have led us to where we are today. So I'm yeah. excited to jump dive right into this story because this is a topic that I think most people in business, especially in partnerships and whatnot, might have a little bit of fear in the back of their head as to when they're going to start partnering up and mm. doing joint ventures and all that stuff. So you are sharing, I just lost my new business partners. Now what story, yeah. which 
I'm very excited for you to dig into this because I can't even imagine a having a new business and that excitement and the chaos, but then also having it all kind of crumble pretty quickly in the early days. So before we jump into that, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about you from your own words? They know who is Sylvie? Who's sharing the story with us today? Well, you're going to hear the background story of where I am today. So I'm a mom of three. I'm 51 years old. And I actually, you know, I love saying that I am 50. At first, when I was 45, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be 50. Like, but I'm super embracing it. And that is kind of where I am today with regards to helping women over 40. Just know that they can have it all. Like, you can have a good life and be healthy and happy with your kids, exercise, eat well, and just put yourself first at the top of the list. And so I have an online fitness membership that helps us all get the exercise and health and wellness that we need. I also help with nutrition and I have a community on Facebook. And if you actually ride your bike, that's a bonus because I'm a level three national cycling performance coach. And that is truly my passion, but I mean, I understand that a lot of women aren't there, but a lot of women are finding cycling as a way to have their own free time. And that's exciting because I have a women's cycling club as well. Cool. (laughs) You know, obviously with COVID and people being at home and not being able to necessarily go and do their usual fitness stuff outside of their home, home fitness became obviously huge. And, you know, that bike brand that we will name nameless, but blew up and so many women, you know, are using and yeah. cycling as their outlet, right? Yeah. I mean, it's so true, Jessica, because we saw a huge surge in the region where I live of women getting on bikes and we're just doing our registration drive. Now we always start in January for May And we have 101 women already registered for our club. And a lot of them are new. A lot of them are returned. And, you know, cycling can be such a social thing. Mm -hmm. And it's also heavily skill related. So (laughs) you can have fun on it or you can completely be miserable. (laughs) Okay, So that is the Sylvie of today. But Mm -hmm. you're going to take us back to how many years ago is this story for you? 2004. 2004. Okay. Yeah. Almost 20 years ago, 18, (laughs) 18 years ago, you started a business and you had some business Mm -hmm. partners who were, if memory serves me, one was your sister and one was your best friend. Yeah. Okay. So take me back. Tell me what was this business? Why did you guys decide to venture together? And then what happened? So I started a spinning studio in 2001. So I had a friend who had a gym and I told him about this concept of the spinning. And if you think about 20 years ago, spinning was not very popular. It wasn't in our region. It wasn't thing, you know, like, I think there was like one or two studios in our city, right. That had spin bikes. And so I'm like, I really like this. I just got into mountain biking and adventure racing. And I'm like, this would be a great way to work out. And he's like, well, okay, Sylvie, if you get the bikes, I'll give you the space. So that's how it started. So he had a little stretching area, like really small. (laughs) And that's where we had the bikes. So we had to move them in and out every time we had a class. And then after a year and a bit, a space opened up just down the hall from the gym. So we still shared the facilities. 
and I had my own room. So then I got more bikes and that was really cool. I wish I had more pictures. We didn't take pictures back then. Like we do now, like everything's documented. Like I can see it in my head. And, and then after that, I'm like, okay, I want to have my own location because I want to expand to do other things. Cause I got into personal training. So, you know, weight training and strength, you know, all that stuff. And so my sister had started personal training and my girlfriend was a massage therapist. We're like, okay, how about we join up? So this is like ignorance on fire. We didn't know anything about business. And that's all I had to say. <laughs> we did not have a plan besides the fact that I went and found a location. I put my name on the lease with my girlfriend. And then my sister was going to be a third partner. So we are going to split everything three ways. We had one open space, one room for massage therapy, a side room for personal training. And this is how we are going to roll our business and, you know, feed off of each other for clients. And it, ah, great concept, right? So in September, 2004, we found and we signed the lease and I got a loan for 60,000 for renovations, which I don't know why it took 60,000 to do what we did, but anyways, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to think about things like that. So we opened in September and so we had everything in place. And then my girlfriend's like, she already worked at a studio. Like she worked in another clinic and I was just like, Hey, when are you going to tell your clients that you are now working for yourself and start, you know, bringing some of your clients over? Cause like you have to pay your bills. Right. And then I think that's when she probably saw this light bulb and like, Oh my God, this could be way more work than I want to put in, have my own place. And she decided to not continue right. on. Yeah. Back out basically. Well, this is like three months in. I'm like, Oh, okay. Okay. And then my sister's like, yeah, I don't want this like business thing. Anyways. I don't know if anybody else has had any other experiences with friends and family. I mean, I've heard great things, but I've heard nightmares. And so this is just one of them. So by Christmas, I was by myself, spinning studio, paying all the bills, the rent, everything. And I was just like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> you know what I mean? What like, did I get here? And my dad's like, good old dad, you should close the doors. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I just signed a five-year lease. Like what's that going to cost? Right. I have clients. I have people who are relying on me. I said, I can make this work, you know? And at the same time, remember we're saying like, just backtrack a year or two. I had just had a daughter and she was two years old at the time and got married and everything. And my husband and I had just bought a house in the country. And so everything in that fall was kind of like crazy, mm -hmm. right? And it was super stressful. And then that happened. I was like, wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you are now, you know, three, four months into your business. <laughs> you are the sole name on the lease, I'm guessing, right? No, she kept hers. I had to take her small claims. Okay. She, okay. she wouldn't pay for anything, but you know, that took a while. And of course we're not friends anymore, but you know, it's just, it's everything that fall. And I also, I got pregnant again that fall and it was exciting. We're going to have another baby. And I had a miscarriage around Christmas. 
which, you know, for me, I'm like, I'm not really surprised because of all the stress I was going through. And, you know, like, how could my body possibly hold on to something like that when I was feeling so defeated? And I truly believe that our body reacts to what's happening. Or if there's something wrong with the baby, your body will reject it, right? And whatever the case, it's not something that I dwell on because A, I had a child already. But the thing is that it was just everything. It was another layer. Another layer that I needed that to deal with, you know, I dropped my daughter off and then it just happened. I was just like, oh, what's going on? And yeah, I just remember going to the emergency and my girlfriend, who's the doctor there, saw me. <laughs> She's like, Sylvie, what's going on? I go, I think I'm having a miscarriage. Yeah, it so was crazy it times. Was like It was a rough season for you. Yeah, to say the least. Say I mean, least. like even divorce wasn't. I don't know, but it didn't get any better. Let's just say that January I had to pivot. Like you've never seen anybody pivot. I mean, if you've been in business and you have to pivot on a dime, like I had to start making money and a lot more than I was expecting. My sister stayed and became an employee. So she would personal train. I would pay her, which is not really what I want to do, but anyhow, And I started developing all sorts of programs with spinning. So spin and BOSU, spin and core, spin and this boot camps, mom and baby boot camps. Like I had everything going out of that studio that I could. And with the instructors that I had, thankfully I had instructors because they came with me from the previous place. Mm -hmm. So I had enough in place. But yeah, then that fall, that spring, my husband and I separated because, hey, he was teaching one of the spin classes and started hanging out a little bit longer, you know, ladies, like then I heard he started seeing one of the clients. I'm like, how classy. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want me to keep going? (laughs) Yes, I do. But I'm going to rewind for a second here. So what was that feeling like when you're at the time, best friend pulls the plug on this dream and this venture that you guys cooked up together. What did that feel like for you? It was really hard. I mean, we were really good friends. And I just remember being on the phone with her as I was driving into the studio and just saying to her, I said, you know, this is going to be a lot of work to start your own clinic. And it's just funny. I don't know if it was just that conversation that she needed, like, maybe she was thinking that already, but you know, we talked about this. And one thing that I've learned is that if you're going to do little contracts like this, like you really have to get out on the table, all those uncomfortable questions, like what if, how are we going to deal with this, you know, to get it on the table. So when something like this happens, it's something we've already discussed and we have kind of like a plan. So if I decide I'm going to leave after a year, then this is what's going to happen because we've already discussed the outcome of something like that. You know, well, I didn't know that at the time. And quite frankly, like this was all so very new. 
And you always expect it to go like, you know, unicorns and rainbows, right? Like it's going to be great. We're going to be having fun and making money and having clients and exercising and all this stuff. It was really hard because she was a really good friend. And I think that's the hardest part, obviously, you know, when you go into business with a good friend and you no longer have that friend around anymore. Mm -hmm. Is it more of how she backed out or the fact that she did back out that was the hardest for you? I think like when she backed out, she expected that, you know, oh, I'm done with it. Sorry, it just didn't work for me, you know, and that it was going to be okay. I'm like, it's not okay. Your name is on the lease. You are responsible for a third of this. And, you know, I had to absorb my sister's portion. Yeah, so it wasn't cool. You know, then we started arguing and small claims came into it because she owed money for, you know, a portion of the, the rent and all this stuff. So yeah, it was really stressful. I really hate that. She was a really nice friend. Like we did a lot of cool stuff together and, you know, we were just part of a bigger group, like mountain bikers and we raced together and all sorts of fun stuff. And yeah, that really sucked. Yeah. So obviously, you know, a little bit of a different situation with your sister. A, she's your sister, so she's family. So, you know, you can't necessarily break (laughs) up with your sister the way you would with a friend. But also she ended up staying around and, you know, still supporting and helping, but Mm -hmm. in employee mode versus owner mode, right? Yeah. I guess, was was that like a small mercy? Like, okay, thank goodness. (laughs) She's going to keep- Maybe she felt bad for me. So obviously it's different. Less money out of her pocket and just seems more doable for her. But I mean, certainly grateful that she didn't leave me hanging and she continued on bringing her own clients in. And, you know, it's just a different scenario, just more work for me. But yeah, she, she stayed around for probably like two years. And then she actually decided to go back to Vancouver and go back to school. And that's where she became a forestry engineer obviously meant for better things than a personal trainer because you know to be a personal trainer if anybody's listening it's a tough business you know and I don't get how some of these people say you know unless you're uber organized and have your stuff together like it took her a long time just to get to 40,000 a year okay cool all right so what obviously there's some big lessons that you learned out of this situation that happened so what were the, what are your biggest takeaways from this season of your life when you lost these two business partners and you needed to figure out you know how to move forward with this business on your own because you still had like four and a half more years on this lease to go what did you do for those four and a half years how did you figure it out what did you do to get over the hurt and then to make this business profitable yeah well i had to deal with my divorce which came next <laughs> so that was in 2005. So right there after miscarriage, business, this husband, that separation, divorce, dealing with my daughter, you know, like sometimes I'm just blessed that I had that studio to keep me sane because I was able to continue with my health and my fitness, even though, you know, but it was the creation of the programs. And I'd like to say that maybe it was easier to do that back then than it would have been now. If you think about it, Jessica, back then 
2004 to 2009, I was in business. Social media did not show up until 2007, but when did it really take off? Probably 2009, 10, you know, because people are like just hopping on the Facebook bandwagon, right? And I was like, what is that? Like, that's crazy. Who's going <laughs> to, you know, I was just like, what? But I honestly, I wish I jumped on and actually, you know, really optimized it. There wasn't a whole lot happening of what I was doing. So I like to say that I was like a trendsetter, which kept me alive. The thing is that my studio was cycling based. So I had cyclists teaching and attending my classes. I started a women's race team. I started the women's cycling club out of there. And, you know, we added all sorts of things like yoga and kettlebell, like nobody knew what a kettlebell was back then. Like nobody, it's like, I had to explain to everyone, you know, what a kettlebell looked like. And so just bringing things in that were new and different innovations, they were new innovations. Yeah, seriously. Like just being a trendsetter, I guess, and having a good reputation, So the thing is that I am a visionary, if you haven't figured that out, right? I am not a business person. (laughs) I'm a business person, the visionary kind. I'm not the money business person. So that's where the logistics and the operations and and the, that's where a lot of it fell apart, right? Was the numbers, the bookkeeping, the things like that. And just the importance, like you'd say, how did you survive for five years. (laughs) And, you know, honestly, like how'd I pay my bills? It was always a struggle, but I can't say that I had a tough time. Like I had enough to get by and be happy and do what I wanted to do. Like I was doing my passion, you know, I was a cyclist. I was racing. I was teaching people how to ride bikes. Like it, it doesn't get better than that. And I guess, you know, that passion just kept me going. And also I grew up a farmer's daughter. Now, if anybody's a farmer's daughter, if you're a farmer, you know, exactly like you have to pivot, you have to be a hustler. You have to like have multiple income streams coming in to even survive. So I was very used to seeing that (laughs) and, and, you know, being part of that, Hard work was not foreign to you. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, what can I do now? What can I create now? Do I have space? I'll design it. I'll teach it. I'll hand it off to an instructor. What can I bring in next? Like I coached triathlon groups. I had dry land volleyball players come in. You know what I mean? Like from high school and we did dry land cycling and practice and strength training. It was fun times, (laughs) but you know, like you have to worry about burning yourself out too, which is what a lot of people end up doing. And you have to be careful about that being that business. Cause I've seen so many instructors just burn the candle at both ends and mm-hmm. they just become very unhealthy. But that's one thing, Jessica, I've always said to myself, my health is always first. And even through all of that shit, <laughs> I made sure to take care of myself. And that's one big thing that I share with my women. You you can't do, you can't perform, you can't be in your top game, whether it be your career or your business or anything else, if you are not 
healthy and whole yourself, right? Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, that's where it starts. I always say like it, it starts here. It starts in your gut. You have to have your own set of standards, boundaries, things like that. Like, let me tell you, I napped a whole lot of my studio. <laughs> but if anybody has their own studio, <laughs> I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Like we get up for a 6 a.m. boot camp by 7.30, you're like, <laughs> it's just like, oh, and then you take, and then ready yeah. for the lunchtime crew. And then, yeah, you're figuring it out. You oh, it for out. sure. I slept a lot at that studio. And it's funny because like one area in my studio was for kids. Like we had a daycare. Nobody had that. I hired a university student to watch the kids while we did boot camps Mm -hmm. and they were just over in the corner, but they were being attended to. And so of course we got it like, you know, the blankets and the donut and, you know, like all the the stuff for the kids. So that's where I slept all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So fast forward end of the lease or your lease is about to come up. What do you decide to do? Oh my gosh. Okay. If you didn't think that was bad, So here it is. I just started seeing my husband 2008. And, and so 2009 was the end of my lease. And I'm like, okay, I cannot grow any more than the space that I already have. I've maxed out all the times. Like I just can't, there's no more time. And there's one like space to do anything. Mm -hmm. So I was at the time where I'm like, okay, I'm either going to expand, maybe take over this whole building or I close the doors. You know, I could continue on, but I was at that point where I wanted to grow. Which is amazing, by the way, considering, you know, four and a half years ago, earlier, (laughs) you were literally (laughs) kind of standing there, you know, holding the bag and being like, how am I even going to pay my bills to Mm -hmm. fast forward four and a half years? And now you're maxed out and you're and you're profitable and you're successful and you can really you can't even do any more with the space that you have. So I just want to give you some kudos for, for that. But yeah, you have a decision to make. Do you close or do you expand? And, you know, I wish I had the foresight of saying like selling it. Cause that was just like, I didn't know anything about that. Like who would buy my studio? And then the other thing is you don't want to give your studio to just anybody and all your clients and everybody that you know, and things like that. But here's what happened. If you've ever been in a city where there's like a bus strike or, you know, that's happened, whether it's short amount of time or a long amount of time, this is, it happened. It started in December and it didn't finish till February. Okay. So for a studio, a fitness, these are our big months of sales, right? In the cycle of fitness life. And So what was happening is there was no buses. So everybody had to get home somehow. They would sit in traffic for two hours to work, sit in traffic for hours in parking garages. Nobody wanted to come and spin, right? Mm -hmm. Like after work. And this is what I got. So people didn't buy packages and I had to cancel classes. I had to lay off instructors. I was at the point where I was profitable, but then everything started being eaten up. And I was just like, I can't believe this. So by the time February rolls around, people are like, oh, well, it's almost the spring. Like, uh, you know, I'm not going to go and spin. And I had some sessions that I was able to run, like say the, the stuff during the day, 
where there was less traffic happening and, you know, people were walking in, but honestly, it is the most uncontrollable thing that you can ever experience, right? The economy, something happening where you live or where your business is, and you can't do anything about it. Like, Fast forward to today and the last two <laughs> years and you know similar situations where an outside force is now having massive impact on on your business and what people are, are able to do and not do, right? Yeah, COVID's different. I mean, we're all plugged in and online. I mean, that's the first thing I did was go online. But back then, it's, I'm just like, wow, this kind of answers my question, like. Am I going to go lose all my profits for this and then try and expand and then dig myself out of debt? Like just, I'm like, oh my gosh, no. Okay. So it was kind of a a sign from the universe that it was time to, to close the door. Yeah. So I had to let everybody know to come in and use up their packages and I closed the doors in September, but here's the thing. I just started seeing my husband. We're like, oh, we're all in love. We got married. We had kids. And it just, it worked. It was a weird thing, but it worked. It's like a weird sign. And, you know, I've never been one to focus too much on the past. Like I'm always looking like, you know, before the door closes, I have a plan already, or I've already got something that I'm off and thinking about. And I've always been like that. So you know, it was a sad time. And the exciting thing is when I still have people come up to me and say, Oh my God, I used to go to your studio on main street. It was so awesome. And I still get people like that, you know, that uh, recognize me and like, Oh my God, you used to be blonde. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Remember I knew, when? Yeah. Yeah. Remember when and like your daughter and all the cycling stuff. So it's kind of fun, you know. But the thing is that it never really stopped. Like I just I continued on with my cycling club, my cycling team. I kept one program that I could do by renting other studios. And yeah, I just made it work. Even through having kids, being pregnant, you know, you figured it out. You figured. Oh it out. yeah, yeah, I figured it out. It's every day. It's another thing to figure out. So, question for you: for anyone who's listening, who may be considering getting into partnership with, you know, somebody <laughs> else, whether that be a family, friend, or stranger, what three things, or maybe you know, you can decide how many things you want to share. What few things would you suggest that they really? dig into and think about before they sign those papers and get into a joint venture because you probably have like the worst case scenario experience of a new partnership. And when people are getting into partnership, whether it be a personal relationship, business relationship, as you said, no one wants to think about the the doomsday ending of like, if we break up, if this doesn't go well, here's our exit strategy. No one wants to think like that because you're going into it with hope and excitement and this is going to be amazing and wonderful. But what are the, some of those things that you think that people need to have conversations about that would have actually really helped you at the time? Well, not to be naive and some sort of contract stating what it is that you're responsible for together, separately, expectations. Yeah. You have to take the friendship out of that part and be very business, like ruthless business, because 
I hate to say it. Like I'm trying to, I'm going to start a new business and I'm just like, I've got to do everything right. A bookkeeper, somebody has to be the numbers person. You can't have two visionaries together. It'll never work. Right. I'm the visionary. My husband's a numbers guy. So together it works. Like somebody has to be that person. So the contract, a bookkeeper, the two parties and like almost a third party. Cause you have to have that deal breaker person, you know, like you kind of like, well, I want my stuff now, but you know, like maybe even three-way partner might be good, but yeah, those are some things that I really bombed on and to actually put the money forward to get a good bookkeeper. Like, don't think it's just, you know, something we could use like, no, you really should. The financial um, of your business is, I would refer to as an essential. So having- Yes. Yeah. There's some essential things and then that's one of them. So yeah, you know, when I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even know how, but keeping the eyes on the numbers, like very vaguely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, pay yourself, pay yourself first. Make sure you're part of the expenses. Somebody's got to pay the mortgage, right? So you can't take all your money and keep reinvesting it. You have to pay yourself because that was one thing because I had like a job and I did that part-time and then I went into it full-time. So then it's like, all right, now Sylvie, you, somebody's going to have to pay you, you know, because you can't You're be doing this for free you. all the time. Okay. So a lot of entrepreneurs do not pay themselves. You have to pay yourself, okay. you know? Good advice. And as it relates to those conversations with those business partners, what are some essential conversation starters that you need to have that might be really uncomfortable, but will benefit you in the end? Oh, just like what we talked about, like, what if you want to leave? What if you do, you find out that this isn't your thing, you know, how are you going to deal with it? How are we going to figure that out? Like that is one thing nobody wants to, you know, have, or what if we have a big expense in the studio? Like, how are we going to deal with that? You know, it's not going to just be me, you know, are we going to split money on other things? Like somebody to take phone calls, you know, take appointments, like things like that general admin for a location, things like that. Who wants to deal with the landlord? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Roles and responsibilities. Who takes care of this? Who's the person who takes care of that? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like what are our roles in the studio? Who's going to do the laundry? So as much as that you can like get clear on the table and have a conversation about do it and don't make assumptions. Yeah. That's probably the worst. And also just saying, oh, I'll do it. Like you taking on everything. That's not right either. You know, you have to have like a clear schedule or list of who's, who's doing what, mm-hmm. you know, who's going to take care of this. Cause there's lots of things like who's going to mop and clean the floor. It's not going to be me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So fast forward to today, you are in business with your husband, which is wonderful. And it sounds like you guys are doing well and successful. Did this experience with your sister and your best friend create a bit of fear for you in getting into business with other people in the future? Or were you like, these are different people than those people and I'm smarter now, or are you still maybe a little gun shy in getting into ventures? Hmm. That's a really good question. (laughs) That's a really good question. So yes, since then I've always been doing stuff by myself and it's tough. It really is like, it's not that I think that I can do it better than the other person. It's just that 
there is that hesitation. I won't lie. Also, like with my cycling club, I've been able to let go. Like I have no problems delegating and letting go of stuff, but, and I've have a really amazing board of directors on my club, which is one of the, you know, that there's a lot of big decisions to be made there. And so I'm not just doing them all by myself. However, I am looking at another business and my husband and I, we kind of have our own separate businesses. But like when I said, he checks the numbers, he checks the <laughs> household numbers. He's like, you know, let's, let's make sure the house is not going down. And so I am looking at partnering with a franchise in the UK and bringing it to North America. So if you think about this, this is another thing where I am doing it by myself in partnership with them. I have reached out to a couple people who I think would be amazing partners, but it's not the right time for them. However, what am I going to do? Wait, no. So the thing is that it's very intimidating because, you know, I'm always like doing stuff and making decisions on my own, but I know remember the visionary person in me likes to fluff over numbers and like, just makes you know, like it's okay. And everything will work itself out, which, you know, in my experience, it did to some extent, but the nice thing is, is that I'm not starting something new. And that's kind of what I like. All the systems are in place. That's what I like. You're playing um, into a machine. Yeah. So all I have to do is implement what they already have. And together we tweak it for North America and then implement it. So the cool thing is that I still have to do my own numbers and they've given me like templates to work with. And that makes it a lot easier. And also that I have people to bounce things off of like, yeah. So it's a different demographic over here, which is cool. His vision was to have his franchise global. And I'm like, perfect. I'll bring it to North America. It's cycling related. So it's in my niche. Mm -hmm. So that is pretty exciting. Found a bit of a best of both worlds scenario where yeah. you are still in charge. You're solopreneur for the most part, because it's yours, <laughs> right? You're in business for yourself, but you're not by yourself because now you actually yeah. have like head office, a team, other people mm -hmm. who have done this, who you can now, you know, collaborate with and get, you know, advice from they're invested, but they're not a full partner. Yeah. And also there's somebody else there that, you know, together we can set goals and deadlines and things like that. So it's not just myself You're like, yeah, I'd like to get that done, but you don't put a date on it. Do you ever get into that? <laughs> Yeah, that's the part of solopreneurship. It's you're like, I'm just gonna move that, right? And everyone Yeah, goes, that's right. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Whereas with yeah. partners who, who are like, oh, no, we need to stick to that because that thing is going to drive that revenue that we need for this quarter to do this thing, right? So yeah, yeah that's, that's the upside of having partners to kind of balance. Oh, yeah, you've that. been in marketing, right? And that's also a very exciting thing to have is I'm gonna say like uh, goals goals to work. Like, I don't want to say quotas, quotas, not a right word, but milestones. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's a better word for it <laughs> in, in business, right? You're sitting, okay, this month we're going to do this, but we're going to finish off the year with this, this target, like, uh, this income target. Awesome. So, so it's exciting because I'm really looking forward to learning how to do it right. Cause you know, ever since like my club, 
I've done a lot of personal development, a lot of business, personal development, but there's nothing, I mean, you know, you could do so much by yourself, you know, there's that 1% that are go-getters, the other 99 kind of hang out and some of us get rolling. And then they're the hustlers, you know, like those other like 1%. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to this chapter. I've really said that I want to build this, like I said, North America for the next 10 years. So I'm excited well, about normally this. Normally I ask my guests, you know, now what? But you literally have already told us that. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm, partnership. I'm doing this thing. So that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Okay, Sylvie, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this story. I know there was so many nuggets in here that you shared throughout it that people are going to be like, oh, noted <laughs> what mm. not to do when, right? And that's part of sharing all these stories is to help people learn from our hindsight. The things yeah. that happen to us to help them, you know, maybe not go down that same path and we can help prevent a few disasters along the way. Cool. Okay. So if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to follow you, where do you like to hang out? What's your platform of choice? I do like TikTok. However, Instagram and also my podcast is on Instagram as well. So my podcast is cycling related. Big, big surprise. surprise. (laughs) (laughs) It's a secrets from the saddle podcast. So you can find me and my podcast on Instagram. I am on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn. So you can, I pretty much somewhere on every platform, but that's where you can find me and DM me. And your, and your current business is all is virtual and digital, right? Like you don't have a physical location anymore. So no matter where anyone's listening to, and if they want to get into riding and cycling and all that fun stuff, they can do it from where they are with you. Yeah, that's right. And if I may, I do have a $7 for seven days. If you want to try come and work out with me. So unlimited workouts and yoga. I don't do the yoga. <laughs> My girlfriend does. She's like 58. And like, I just looked over. I'm like, if I could be looking like you at 58, then like my 60s are going to be good. I'm doing some good. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Sylvie, thank you so much for joining us today. I loved your story. And I'm so happy that everything worked out, that those partners who left you gave you control of your own destiny and you were able Mm -hmm. to figure out and move forward and you didn't shut your doors and here you are you know years later and still thriving and surviving and still loving writing so that's awesome okay if you love this episode give us a like a share forward it to somebody who is thinking about getting into partnership if you have a business partner you're like hey we need to listen to this episode together and talk about things do that and as always follow me at jess.loves.life and we will see you next week for another I just blank now what episode bye guys thank you so much for listening I appreciate it more than I can say did you love this episode of I just blank now what if you did be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform and if you're on apple Podcasts, please leave a review I do love reading them and if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do, how to move forward and help you answer now what. See you on the next episode.